Do you want to be transported back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I certainly do. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer, bottled with all-natural, uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. And it's not just about that elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. I've said it before, but I love this product. It feels like I am going to a spa every Every night, and it delivers that coveted post-vacation glow like you just returned from a tropical getaway. Right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code DATEABLE at OSEAMalibu.com. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care from OSEA. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DATEABLE at OSEAMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use the code DATEABLE for 10% off. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Krafchick. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters. So we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in. So feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me. I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my co-host, Michael Vargas, a fellow dating coach with a clinical psychology background, my producer, Julie Krafchick, and other surprise co-hosts. Thank you to all of you who came to our party on Friday, September 30th. It was quite the epic night. In case you missed it, we will be posting a video of the event on our Facebook page. Here's some stats for you. We had over 250 people in attendance. Our sponsor, Lively, gave out well over 200 drinks. Thanks, Lively. Over 140 condoms were distributed, thanks to our friends at Lilo Hex. Two winning couples successfully made out behind the makeout curtain and only one injury. And that was just me. So that's okay. We can't wait to see you guys again at our next event. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. On this episode, we interviewed Josh Rasmussen. The CEO of a company at the time of recording was called Bolt Motorbikes. Their name has since changed to Monday Motorbikes. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. Michael Vargas. Michael, how are you? I'm feeling good. I just had some boba tea with uh, macadamia nut milk. It was really good. That 
sounds sort of gross. <laughs> I don't know. I'm don't not. Judge. Don't be jealous. <laughs> I'm not judging or being jealous. I'm just stating facts. <laughs> so today I have a, a special friend with me. Josh is here with me today and I want to give a little bio about who he is because it's important to um, why we're speaking to him today. So Josh was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska and moved around the U.S. until landing in San Francisco over eight years ago. Today, Josh is a co-founder and CEO of electric bike company Bolt Motorbikes. Named GQ Magazine's Best Stuff of the Year and the quote-unquote Tesla of electric motorbikes. He's an avid motorcycle rider, Krav Maga enthusiast, and genuine man Bring the future of urban transport to market. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I, feel like, best I feel like we're in that last scene of Braveheart and I'm like, yeah, let's go to war. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> So I think the thing is, first, we want to get to know you, how you came to where you are today, but most importantly, what it's like to date as a CEO of a company that is up and coming, rising star, you're obviously married to your job. You know, I don't even have to ask you about that. So let's um, park that for now. First of all, tell us how you got to where you are today. Um, well, it's an interesting journey. Uh, I started in Omaha, Nebraska, like you actually said. So thank you very much Great for the bio. Sense. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wanted to put blue war paint on him and go out. Um, so started in Omaha, Nebraska, traveled uh, to cities like Dallas, Atlanta, um, Fort Worth, and then all the way to San Francisco. And it was a really interesting journey because I found myself actually living out of my car for months uh, after the car industry collapsed. That was my background. I was in the car industry. Mm. And... Uh, after eight years of uh, living in San Francisco, I realized that there was an entrepreneurial spirit in me. I was a regional director of sales and ultimately started my first company, which is still running today. And Which company? It was a company called Zipkick. It's still today. You can go to zipkick.com. Really okay. cool site. Um, and now I moved to Bolt Motorbikes and found a real true passion because, one, I'm a motorcycle rider. Two, I love connecting people. And three, it's kind of this contagious energy that I have where I can bring people in a room, get them really excited, and then go out and disperse and conquer the world. So it's really fun. You have one of those personalities. I just want to tell Michael and Julian, um, listeners at home. So Josh was introduced to me by a mutual friend in New York, and she's like, you have to meet this guy, Josh. He's wonderful. And the first time we met, I think we spoke on the phone, and he, Josh just, just had this charisma and a, such a sales vibe about him that I was very suspicious. I was like, one, what does this guy want? And two, what is he really like? But getting to know you more and more now, I find that you're one of the most genuine pe people I've ever met. And yet you live, you work in this industry that is... Um, penetrated by people who are not so genuine. So I, I feel like you are the anomaly to what this industry represents. Okay, so I want to focus on your dating life. All right, me too. <laughs> um, so I was doing a, a random Google search, and there's a poem online called Date the CEO of a Startup, okay? And I want to read part of this, this poem to you, and I want you to respond to it, okay? Baby girl, the internet's plagued with advice on whom to date. Date a reader, date a writer, date a traveler, they've said. I'm here to encourage you today to date the CEO of a startup. 
Date a man who gave up the nine to five for the 24-7. Date a man who works his ass off because someone has to. Date a man who, when you say lean, well, think prototype and not cuisine. <laughs> Date the CEO of a startup. The CEO of a startup will forget every anniversary, but will never miss a date if you add it to his Google Cal. <laughs> the CEO of a startup will not be writing any poems for you, but office memos will seem more endearing than ever before. The CEO of a startup will not be texting you all day long, but, but will excuse himself from an important meeting if he has to when you call. The CEO of a startup will not bring as many flowers as he will bring good news and sometimes bad news too. It's not easy to date the CEO of a startup, but it's a hell of a ride. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> well, we're, we're Bolt Motorbikes. We make a really epic uh, electric two-wheeler, so it's one hell of a ride no matter what. And <laughs> for me, I, it kind of is true. Like you, When you're dating anybody uh, that is running a company, it's almost like dating someone with kids, right? Mm. Uh, you realize that you may not be in the number one spot, even though that person might want you to be, there's other people that they are responsible for. And it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition as I've continued to grow in this position as time's gone on, that sometimes I have to say, no, I can't go on a date or I can't pick up a call. And if I can't excuse myself, I absolutely will for all the people I've dated out there in the past, um, <laughs> all like four. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that I realize that every time I'm breaking away, sometimes I feel a little guilty because I know that there's a team of uh, nine and 10 people that are sitting back at the labs doing amazing work day in and day out. And I come back and I'm like, hey guys, sorry for so long. Like, you need this, man. You need to go out and go on dates and like, hang out with people, but I don't think that way. And it's really hard, but. It's almost like you're in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love them though. I just, I'll do anything for those guys and, know, and, uh, and the girls, they are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but what is your dating life like? Um, well, besides non-existent. Uh, <laughs> and why is it non-existent? Uh, uh, in the past, I was a regional director making a, a, a good amount of dough and my dating life was amazing then, and my time was really my own. I was working 30, maybe 40 hours a week. I was traveling all around the country. I was a regional director of sales for a multi-million dollar uh, corporation based out of DC, and I oversaw 30% of the United States as a sales division. And You were that sales guy. It was like- That was I always like, fall for. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really funny because I would travel a lot. I had tons of points, so I'd go on vacations, and. Um, never really had to worry about money. So a date was kind of just a fun thing to do. And I think for a lot of people in San Francisco, when you have a lot of money, it's just kind of one of those fun things to do rather than actually like maybe moving towards a real relationship, just kind of dating around. Mm. Um, and I felt myself getting into that rut. But after a certain point in time, I said, hey, there's something more for me. So I quit that job and started my own company. And it was kind of a ride. You know, like you went on from the top of the world, just to doing really happens. well, to like figuring out how much ramen you yeah. can get for the week, yeah. type of thing. I've been um, there before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it was really funny, and at the same time, I would I would go on dates, but as time went on, those dates would slow down because every time you go on a date, you see money going out the door, and not necessarily like whether it works or not, because sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Uh, and it only takes one. That's the good news for all you dating listeners out there. <laughs> At this point, you started seeing dating almost like a, 
a financial loss? I think it was a mixture, right? Uh, it was, I wouldn't necessarily call it a financial loss. I would just call it as a risk. Um, and entrepreneurs are, are not risk adverse, right? They're just, they're like, hey, you know what? I'm risking it all and I'm going to quit this uh, amazing job to go try something and, and work 24 hours a day, seven days a week um, instead of nine to five. And it's, it's something where if you find someone that's really worth it, you'll make the time. Uh, and up to a certain point in time, I guess it is really where it counts. If I was in a relationship and moved into the position as the CEO today, I probably would be equally devoting time towards the Volt Motorbikes uh, genre and the boyfriend-girlfriend genre. And instead, because that hasn't happened, I've been fully committed to Volt Motorbikes and building a team and creating this really cool brand. Uh, And when people come out to say like, hey, we should totally go on a date or you should date my friend, it's like, I'll I'll see what I can do, right? Like, it's not like I, I don't want to figure it out. It's just there's time that's involved and, and these things to just try and figure out if you actually like that person. You have to be more discerning when it comes to who you go on dates with, right? Yeah, it's That's not true. a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, and sometimes discernment takes time, right? right. You've got to you got to take the time and because I, I think we've all been on dates where you like see the person and you're like, wow, that person is really good looking. I'm going to get along with them. And then you start talking and you're like, oh, when is this going to be over? Like, ah, oh, shoot, got a call from the office, you know. Um, and with discernment, it takes time. And the problem is, as a CEO or any founder, that's one of the things that you're really lacking. Uh, and it's this, it's this weird tipping point, right? Uh, either you have, uh, as an entrepreneur, either you have all the time in the world but no money to work on your project <laughs> or you have no time and all the money in yeah. the world to work on your project and um, it's, these, it's these juxtapositions that actually end up working against you in your dating life. What is something that like triggers you like, ooh, this person seems interesting. Okay, how do I want to get to know more about this person? Uh, the number one thing for me is personal character. So if I know this person is loyal and principled in their thought process and uh, giving, that is very much something that is exuberant in that person immediately to me. And I, one thing I don't really like is if someone starts moving into like money conversations or if they move into like what do you do conversations, even on dating sites I put that I'm a pastor, I'm a reverend. Really? Uh, Do you really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, because people are like, oh, hey, are you on, I got pictures of me speaking on stage at, at multiple events, and they're like, are you speaking about a sermon? And I'm like, sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the book of Bolt. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun, but I, I never want to think about what you do. I want to think about who you are. And so that's probably one of the first things that I really look for is personal character. And again, that's something that takes time to really drive out. People can say, oh, I'm caring. I'm, I'm not selfish. I'm a uh, very thoughtful person, and in reality, it's... So the whole way. job thing, is that something that you've always felt like you don't want to talk about, or is that new because you're now a CEO that's on a rising star? I think it's a mixture. I mean, as a 26-year-old, in doing a job where the rest of my peers were 40 years old, it was like, ask me what my job is, right? Because, right. like, right. yeah, you're, you're kind of hot-headed about it. You're a little young, so you, you really kind of hang your hat on that thing. Um, but as you grow older, you realize there's things that are extremely important and 
my own personal character and well-being is part of that. And uh, it was an interesting time of my life when I chose to quit that job making great money and go to making no dollars. And then after that point in time, it was like, I, I was like, oh, I'm a co-founder. I was really excited to tell everybody about it because you're, yep. you're starting this new yep. venture, like making zero dollars an hour, but you're really excited to tell people about your position. Um, and then after meeting like all these other people that are like, oh yeah, I'm a co-founder. Like, I'm a co-founder. And it's like, well, your company's worth zero dollars or it's worth a couple hundred million. Like, you, yep. you never know. Yep. We're all just under the same title. So uh, after that point in time, I was like, titles don't matter. Why do you feel the need to hide your title? Um, I don't think that my title defines me. Uh, I think that the things I do under the role I'm in will define me. And I kind of, I don't know, maybe sometimes it, it's fun to romanticize the fact that someone's like, hey, this person's really nice and caring and cool. And then they go, wow, and he's actually doing something really cool as well. That's more icing on the cake versus like, let me go give the full cake and the icing and then expect to keep raising the bar. I'm saying you try to remove that first surface layer, like this this badge of CEO, and what you try to do is more about who you are as a person underneath that CEO. That's try to where you try to get to the core of first. Yeah, it's it's a personal connection, right? But then, so here's the thing: online dating is very superficial, though. <laughs> oh, it's totally. <laughs> How do you get past that first step? Because well, do you do online dating? Well, obviously you do. So I totally do. Uh, what are you on? Tell us. Um, I don't know. Is there an app called Ghosting? Because I feel like that's exactly what happens. <laughs> not by me. Not by me. Just, uh, you know, I, my, my feelings get hurt. Online dating is extremely superficial. And I would rather set the bar at like a medium level. Even when people come to visit me, I'm like, hey, you're going to have a mediocre time. And they're like, all right, I'm still visiting you. Like, all right, cool. And then we'll go do some really fun stuff. And we'll blow it out of the water. But if it's like, oh man, it's gonna be epic, you're gonna love yeah. it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Wah. oh, sorry, that party fell through. Exactly. <laughs> we'll go to the bay and then it'll be foggy and you won't be able to see anything and it'll be cold. Um, so. That's why when you invited me to that party, you're like, you're not gonna have a very good time, but I'm just glad to see this you. Is why he's a startup CEO. Yeah. He sucks the right and then I show up at the party and it was like the most amazing night of my life. <laughs> It works. Um, that's actually do you true. Do you do that with sex as well? Um, You're like, I'm actually very all. small. So much for me sharing this podcast with my team. Um, I, again, yeah, I, I think I probably do. I think we put it all on an even playing field and say, let's see where it goes. It's, if you set the bar high, you set these really crazy expectations. And I'm, I'm all about over-delivering on the promises that I put. And... It's one of those things that if someone is constantly seeing that you are committing greater things to them than what you initially set out to do, then I think that shows a little bit level, uh, excuse me, a little bit higher level of commitment to them as a person you're in a relationship with. Since you said that you don't date that much and you're on online dating apps, how do you, like, what's your process like? So the one one I do use is is Bumble. So there you go. Guys love uh, there Bumble. You go, Bumble app. You're, you're That's into it. They don't do work. <laughs> I know some of your so they, friends are on Bumble too. I've heard. All three of my friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So I kind of like Tinder. I kind of didn't like Tinder. Felt like more like one night standish. That's not um, what you're looking for. Not really. One night stands could get to be expensive, uh, but that's a whole other story. They wouldn't be. Yeah, actually. I don't know. I feel like they can be, especially when you go out and you're really gunning for it. And 
Yeah. More expensive than like a prostitute, probably. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, but I can. <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna base right this. <laughs> I'm gonna base this on your experience, UA. We're gonna be good to go. I have a startup uh, salary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you take equity? Um, <laughs> it's a, it's it's kind of interesting because it, it felt that way, and uh, as as a leader and and taking the leadership stuff aside, as somebody who's really looking for a relationship that matters, not necessarily something that's superficial, you tend to stay away from those things. And so I, I started using Bumble primarily because of the fact that my other coworkers were totally on Bumble. Um, Peer pressure. Yeah, they're like, everybody's doing it, man. So I did that with Bumble and Slack. Um, and it was <laughs> <laughs> they converted me to the church of Slack. They're like, everybody's on it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And then they're like, well, Nick's on it. Nate's on it. And I'm like, ah, so I had to get on it. I also like it because the girl actually gets to put some effort in. And in the Midwest, one of the things that is really big is like, in courting or whatever we want to call it, um, the girl shows interest too. Mm-hmm. And out in the Bay Area, I think that we we run into this thing where we've got all these different cultures and all these different people groups from all around the world, and it's awesome, right? It's a really cool experience. You can meet people from Istanbul, and you can meet people from Paris, and meet people from Omaha, Nebraska, yeah, all exactly. at the same bar. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, dating from those cultures and bringing it all together kind of causes some miscommunications and mm-hmm. some misreads when someone may be showing affection and that's not how that person foresees uh, yeah, affection, right. you could totally miss the, the mark. That's a really good point because a lot of it's, we've talked about that major like transient cities sometimes are challenging to date in and that would yeah. be the same issue in New York and here and everywhere. Like yeah, that. totally. Yeah. Let me, let me just give some advice to people. And, and before I give the advice, there's two things I want to say. Okay. Inv- the good thing about advice is you can take what you want and leave what you don't. <laughs> right. Okay? Uh-huh. And two, always be suspect of taking relationship advice from a single person. It's just like plain <laughs> simple. Agree. So I think the funny thing is, is that uh, in, in areas where you really want to go and, and shine, make it turnkey for that other person, right? Make it easy for them to say yes. And that goes for girls who want to date guys and guys who want to date girls. And they really just, it's not like, hey, do you want to come out sometime and hang out and have a drink? Uh, So ambiguous. Yeah, totally. That ambiguity is like, okay, when, uh, where, what are we going to drink? Where are we going to, it's like, and all of a sudden this conversation becomes so so diluted. So instead, if you have it with conviction and purpose and make a turnkey to say, hey, I want to take you out, would love to go to this restaurant at seven o'clock on Thursday or Tuesday next week which day works for you, um, it's, it shows like, hey, here's the things we're going to do. It's going to be fun, you would assume, if you're going to say yes. Um, and it's easy to say yes to. And as someone who is looking for relationships and all my other friends, that ambiguity really kills the opportunity to go meet somebody and connect. Why do you think so many people are so and uh, have such ambiguity? Um, I think it's probably a mixture of things. And again, back to my two rules um, on advice giving. Uh, <laughs> I would say, number one, people are really afraid of rejection. Uh, no one likes yes. getting no. Yeah. So by keeping it ambiguous, it, people can sort of commit to it. And even if they don't commit to it, it doesn't hurt, right? Um, if somebody gives you a no, it's, it can be hard on the ego. You gotta kinda let that go a little bit. And in, in my role in the past and where I am at today, you get a lot of no's. Yeah. 
And people are like, it only takes one yes, or like it takes eight no's to get a yes. <laughs> Fuck that rule. Um, it's like, listen, it doesn't matter how many no's you're going to get. You need to understand how to handle the no. Yeah. And if you can handle the no, it can always turn into a yes, right? Right. It's not no, it's not no forever. It's just no, not right now. See, you're not handing out dating advice. You're handing out sales advice. Sales advice. Totally hey, let's be very, let's be <laughs> very same. clear here. It's the very same thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to call you out. Okay, call me out. Here we go. The first time Josh and I met in person was at this party, okay? And I brought a very beautiful friend of mine. And, um, you know, there was drinks involved and a little bit of flirting back and forth. Oh, and by tons the, of flirting. A ton of flirting. And by the end of the night, we're all in the hot tub, and my friend is very close to Josh. I can sense that there is a little bit of tension between them. I overhear Josh saying, um, I want to take you out sometime. And my friend doesn't make it very easy for him because she's very skeptical of guys, especially in this kind of environment because everyone was kind of – you know, like everyone has this Playboy vibe about them at this party, right? And um, so my friend. By the way, audience, he's giving everyone a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, everyone, give me a Hey, 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 don't call me out. Now you're being a tattletale, Michael. I had a, I had a great time. I have to say, I had a great time at this party. I was very skeptical because you just, in, in this environment, so the tech startup culture, co-founder culture in San Francisco is exactly the same as the directors and screenwriters. Um, group of Hollywood, okay? And when I lived in LA, it was the exact same thing. You go to some hot director's house and sit in their hot tub and you talk about that you want to roll in his next film, right? Same it. thing with this with the tech culture here or the startup culture here in San Francisco. You sit in some CEO's yeah. hot tub and you talk about how you have an app coming up or you have this product <laughs> coming up, right? You have this idea that you want to pitch. Yeah. Anyway, so my friend is skeptical but she is interested. She's obviously interested in Josh, and she says something along the lines of, well, if you want to see me, you'll find a way, right? Something along the lines of that. Yeah. I know that there was a kiss exchanged in the hot tub. What? Now you're tattling. We can cut this part out. Whatever. Let's keep it in. My friend and I. My friend and I. I'm not scared of this. Do you think I'm scared of this? I love how he's going on his phone. Are you checking like the? No, I'm going to show. You, I'm going to. I'm going to show you something. But go on. I want you okay. to tell, tell me. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I love this. He says. She said. So we get in the. We get in the Uber back. My friend and I are going back together, and she's like, you know what? I'm sort of into Josh, but I don't know his deal. I I don't know if he's for real. Also, at this party. There were like two hot tubs and a bunch of beautiful women, okay, as one would, would expect. So she's like, is he around this all the time? Okay. Next day, I give Josh my friend's phone number. And I'm like, you guys should connect. She's amazing. You're amazing. And then I guess what happened was you texted her at like, 11 p.m. or sometime around like midnight and she's like this doesn't sound right and the next day you text her around the same time and so she's like is he gonna ask me on a date I mean this whole thing with ambiguity yeah. I thought Josh that you would be like listen I like you I want to take you out on a date let's go out on this day do and do this but from her side she was like he was very ambiguous and he was texting me at a time that one would say would be a booty call. I mean, I'm flattered she feels it's a booty call. Um, <laughs> so one, to clarify, not a booty call. Okay. Uh, multiple reasons for that. 
Let's start with reason number one. It can be taken two ways. It can be like, wow, that guy's a really fucking hardworking guy, or like, boy, that's an excuse. But I sleep at the labs. Every night, I go to sleep at two or three in the morning, and then I get up at eight o'clock at the same place I went to bed at and worked at, and shower, take, change my clothes, and then I'm back at it again. You really are married to your work. I am. I have nine kids that I'm taking care of. <laughs> and it's like, so that's, that's point one. Uh, point two, in my role, we're dealing with a lot of people in China, India, um, San Francisco, and Nate, my co-founder, and I, at five o'clock, we look at each other and we say, hey, time to start our day. Usually around like 10 or 11 o'clock is when I have the ability to actually go through and like look through my personal stuff. So if it was going to be a booty call, I'd, it would have to be at her place and I would have to have her invite me, um, which would be pretty hard to do <laughs> if we haven't even gone out. Um, and the other, the other thing about it is like, it's kind of like one of those things where you're, you're excited enough to be texting back and forth, but in the relationships that worked out for me, it was like this two-way street where like, we're in this dating cycle where people are like looking at each other going like, well, do you like me? Well, do you like me? Well, you gotta tell me you like me first and then if I like you back, I'll let you know. With your friend, as an example, I think she's awesome. Let the record show, okay. she's freaking awesome. She is awesome um, and gorgeous. And yeah, actually very gorgeous and a great kisser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that's, that's one of the things about it is that you, you go into these situations and uh, you, you wanna give them what you can but at the same time, you also don't want to sit there and give them excuses on why you're not texting earlier or why you're not being as responsive. Because it just kind of feels like an excuse. Hey, sorry, I've been working really hard in this company. I'm getting off the ground. Or, hey, sorry, I had eight conference calls with people in, at six different uh, Chinese manufacturers. And I'm starting to be able to get to you till 11 o'clock, right, on a Tuesday. But why wouldn't you just ask her out on a real date? I think it was more on the fact that I just don't know if I would be able to get the time to do it. Uh, really? So yeah. is it the time or is it just interest? You can be honest here. I think, it, I think it would be a mixture. In that regard, it was probably time. I think we've all had this experience where we're really into somebody and um, after like a period of time where you're not talking to them or like communication begins to slow down, you just kind of lose interest. So wait, if, if you didn't have time, why even try to reach out in the first place? Great question. Well, because I still think that she's worth it. Um, you you want to make the time, right? It's not, like, it's not like during that moment you were like, hey, I would like to make the time to do this. This is why you say it, not because you're like, hey, I want to make time, just kidding, ha <laughs> ha see you later. I'm wondering if like the, what you're talking about is the problem many other people people talk about especially in San Francisco where there's the intent right like the intent to see someone the intent to make time for someone but there's these other factors that are, are driving us um, to so many different avenues like you said like for you it's your work and things like that what does that do I guess the intent versus actually doing something with that you know what I mean that, that's such a great question because that's okay I'm talking I'm speaking for my girlfriend here it's like, why I'm would say you? Her name online. No, I'm like, not. I'm not hey. gonna say her name. But why would you get her number if you weren't gonna ask her out? Right? Well, the intent is there, right? You can't tell. You can't say, like, to be very clear here, you can't say an entrepreneur is not an action person. Right. They are just by definition. An yeah. entrepreneur goes out and gets shit done. Um, 
So to go out and say that, the anticipation is, hey, I'm going to go get this stuff done. And in the moment, it's something that you want to do. And it's not saying that I still don't want to do it, right? If I had, if I had millions of dollars in the bank and my team was getting taken care of, that girl and I would be on a date right now. Hands down, it would be done. Yeah, but you have other priorities, that's what you're saying. And that's, and that's the thing, but also at the same time, it's not like, you, we're talking as if it's a one-way street, right? Like, hey, as an entrepreneur, you need to go out and you need to go uh, hire people and you need to go do all the legal document review and then go have, find investors and then go find manufacturers and talk to people all around the world. And then after all that's done, you gotta go out and you have to pursue a girl, right? And in reality, you have to pursue each other. And I'll tell you very candidly, if this person was actually actively going out and reaching out after there may have been a lull in time, not saying it was a purposeful lull, but after that intent was shown where they're also giving back, it's this bridge. But didn't she try to build the bridge? Sorry, I just touched your leg because I got really excited about this. Don't um, worry, it's a great looking leg. <laughs> Audience members, she touched it again <laughs> three times. So she texted you again because she left her jacket at the party. It's true. It was like, could you help me retrieve it? Hint, hint, can we see each other again? Did you not take that as building the bridge? No, I, I actually, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that as building the bridge because uh, no. that, doesn't, that doesn't show intent. There were six people that asked me to go back and check and see if I had something. <laughs> half of them guys, half of them girls. Like if, they're, if, I, if I really read into intent, then I'm apparently buying. So, so do you feel like you actually did reach out, you did try, and they, it just wasn't received back? I would say I, would say I tried, um, though I would say if you asked me if I put the same level of effort as I do in the company and the team we have today into this person, I would say no, right? Like say early on in a relationship, like early on, what would be the transition point for you to do that? I think that the thing that would help ease it is the understanding that um, there's a significant amount of pressure on entrepreneurs. Uh, and significant is like understating it. And it's really hard to like bring someone in on an early onset relationship and, and when they're like, when you go, hey, how was your day? And they're like, it was good. Becky was a little catty at the office and Jonathan was being a little bit of a dick, but you know what, for the most part, it was really good. I got my paycheck today and it was like, I get my vacation days tomorrow and all this stuff. How was your day? And in, in my day, I, I use... Uh, Back in my day. Yeah, exactly. I actually use this thing called the Bauer Quadrant. Um, and shoot, I'll tell everybody. So the Bauer Quadrant helps you understand the things that are important, not important, urgent, and not urgent. Oh, yeah. Seven habits. Yeah. So we have to really think about the, working on the things that, we, that are um, important but not urgent, right? If you're constantly working on the things that are urgent and important, that leads to burnout. Yeah. So I, every day I do a Bauer Quadrant. I look at what I have to do for the day that's like extremely urgent, it has to be done. And then I look at the list of things that have to be done that are not urgent and then the things that aren't important and urgent and, and the, uh, the fourth quadrant, which is uh, not urgent and not important, which you shouldn't be doing anything in there anyway. But you need to write it down. And so I go through this and if I was to sit there and that girl I was dating was like, how was, how was your day? If I read, and I'm, and I'm really kind of, taken the benefit of the doubt away from this, but in an early onset relationship, and I read all the stuff that I had to go through in a single day, and averaging probably 13 to 14 hours a day, and read that off, 
it would be like, okay, holy cow, I don't know if I can handle this. Mm. Have you dated female entrepreneurs that get it? Um, no, and I tend to not. I really like strong women. I think that's something I'm attracted to. Um, but at the same time, like, because I don't have time and that person doesn't have time, it's just kind of doesn't really go anywhere for a long period of time. So six months later, we've seen each other six times. You bring up this issue we, that we talk about a lot on this podcast is that when you start dating someone, right now there's this this me versus you mentality. It's, there's this, you should chase me, you should show interest, and I may show a little bit of interest back, but you should be the one pursuing or whatever. And I think what you're saying here is dating an entrepreneur, you don't have time for that bullshit, right? But you need something very black and white, more more of a do you have interest or do you not? And if you have interest, you should show it and not play these games. And I think for a lot of people, we, we, we waste a lot of time playing these games, although we all say we don't play games. We do waste our time totally playing these games. I was going to say, are you direct with women? I think that for the most part, I am direct. And here's the, here's the thing. It's not like I have a ton of interaction with women working seven days a week, right? right? Um, and when you are, you, that's kind of the one chance you got. To be like, hey, I like you. We should totally do this again, right? Um, or it's like, see you later. And then like seven months later, you see them. Um, it's not like an entrepreneur is unwilling to go and pursue something, right? Um, he's pursuing as the, a founder of an organization which has employees, which have 401ks and insurance and paychecks and building products. Um, they are out there constantly pursuing a better life for their employees and for themselves, right? Um, so it's not like it's like a lack of commitment or a lack of pursuit, uh, but it goes back to the thing I was talking about earlier. Make it turnkey, right? It doesn't have to be black and white, but it could be like, hey, listen, there's this really great restaurant. I'd love to go there. Would you be willing to come with me? But what if a girl was like, what are you doing on Friday? I would like to see you. That would make a lot more sense. Right. But would you be turned off if a girl was actively pursuing you that Right. Oh, like absolutely it. not. That would really? be that would be amazing. Have you had that happen though? Yeah, in fact, most of my relationships which lasted a long period of time, it was equal pursuit. You said that you don't have a ton of time to date. How do you figure out which girls you pursue? There's like the there's the friend introduction. If you personify or if your friends personify you, yep. then they should be good judges of character. So, if we well. set you up on a date, you you would potentially be down. Well, we met a solid hour ago, so absolutely. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, it's got to be someone like you, you know. I, I meet friends all the time, or not friends, but like acquaintances that I've met for like an hour, and they're like, oh my gosh, you would love my friend Becky. And it's like, okay. She has a big butt. Yeah, yeah. She totally. loves big butts. Dude, <laughs> big butts don't lie. Ooh, I want to meet Becky. <laughs> yeah. Let's um, wrap this up in the interest of time because I could talk to you forever, Josh. And we are. Let's do a shout out to Brooke because Brooke listens to this podcast and thank you for introducing us. Oh, uh, hey, Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Hey, girl. Hey. So I want you to give um, two pieces of advice. One, a piece of advice to people who are in your position on how to date or what, what's something you could that's positive that you could get, you could tell them about dating. And two, a piece of advice to someone who is dating someone like you. So let me think, the piece of advice I would give is, as an entrepreneur, is really set the tone. Um, let somebody know that you're, you're interested and at the same time understand you probably need to commit some time for that. Mm -hmm. uh, Just to be honest about your, 
your yeah. situation. Yeah. If you're actually honest about the situation, you give them the ability to say yes or no. And the second thing is if somebody was it if somebody's dating somebody, somebody like me, don't necessarily take silence as like an okay interaction. Like you need to take some time and some initiative to put that entrepreneur into your daily life and maybe make a little bit more effort because you need to understand that that person is probably going through a lot more than it's probably right for them to go and share and dump on your plate as well. Also just ask them, right? Ask them straight up, hey, do you have the time for this? Like, how can I be supportive? Because I think the right guy is going to figure out how he can support you and the right girl is going to figure out how she can support him. Yeah. Last question for you because I want to get the douchebag out of you. <laughs> Have you ever used your reputation or your title to get laid? If you give a card out and you're like, hey, here, I'm a CEO, you should totally date me, that means I've got nothing else to offer, but I'm totally CEO, you should date me. And the type of person you're going to get that usually responds to that is like, I've got nothing else to offer but these looks, so oh. let's totally date. Um, and then you break up and then he's going to be on the street again with his cards and go find the next girl. So I don't, that is something I won't ever do and, and that's why I don't put it into my dating profiles. Um, yeah. I'll stick with Reverend or Pastor Reverend. Josh. Reverend Josh. <laughs> Michael, any last thoughts from you over there? One of your favorite things a girl has said to you. Hmm. Well, I think one thing that, I'm just trying to figure out what the best way to say it is because sometimes it, gets, it can be like, egocentric and I try to take that out of it. Um, one thing I got recently actually from the, from the night UA and I had met, uh, someone texted me and said, your charisma is contagious. And when you're around people, there's like this energy that bounces off other people and just makes this a really fun vibe. And that was one thing I was really attracted to. And that girl actually has reached out multiple times, even during periods of silence, uh, again, not because I'm ignoring her, but just like reaching out, seeing how things are going. And I thought that was a pretty cool and very nice thing to say and um, proactive on her part. So it, it becomes attractive to me as well. Can I do one takeaway before we wrap up? Sure. A takeaway, and it's not just Josh and situation, but don't take things personal. You never know what's going on in someone else's life. Okay. So if they're silent, it may have nothing to do with you at all. Uh, yeah, I don't think it ever has anything to do with you. It goes back to what we talked about yesterday, and I know I'm going out of order here, but if, if you approach dating someone as approaching a new friend, then the silence would be, you would treat the silence much differently. Because you, if you're approaching a new friend and you're just meeting them for the first time, that silence just means, oh, you're checking in on them. You want to genuinely check in on them instead of, oh, I'm going to hold off on calling them or texting them because I want them <laughs> to show their interest first. Who does that in a friendship, right? So approach dating us, building a friendship. That's it. Um, thank you so much, Josh, for being here. We're so excited for your success. And your charisma is contagious. <laughs> it really is. I am I feel charismatic just sitting next to you. Thank you. Right. And you know what? Everyone is totally welcome to come ride with us. Just we will come ride the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your dating profile. <laughs> Expert rider. Yeah, exactly. Ride me. <laughs> all right. Well, well, first of all, guys at home, if you have any dating stories. We want to hear from you. We can keep you anonymous. We can change your voice. We can change everything about you, but your story. Last but not least, one, two, three. Stay Stay
Your action item for this week is to stop thinking about what you should do to quote unquote win someone over and focus on what you want to do to get the desired end result. So for example, if you've been waiting to ask someone out because you think you should let them show more signs, well stop that. If the end result you want is to see that person, then ask them out, be direct. Focus on the end result you want. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast.